This year, I moved in with my girlfriend. Her name is Caitlin. She's very cool. If I'm having a bad day, she points out dogs on the street and says, oh, look at that little stupid. Within minutes of meeting someone, she shares an observation about what's unique and special about that person. She can also name every single bird that flies in front of her. I don't know squat about birds, so if I absorb one nugget of knowledge every day, it's usually around ornithology, like pigeons. Did you know they are the oldest domesticated bird? Yep, Caitlin taught me that. Anyway, Caitlin's also a producer. She's a really good producer in high demand, and she works her butt off on multiple projects at a time, including this show. That's right. Not only is she my partner, but she also became lead producer on the show this year. When we settled on the apartment we wanted, the landlord said we needed to prove that our income adds up to 40 times the monthly rent. Caitlin and I never talked about how much we made, but I assumed with our incomes combined, we made at least that amount. Caitlin said, don't worry, I can cover that. I thought, all right, she can cover her half. Then she finished her thought and said, I can cover the whole apartment by myself. I calculated this very quickly in my head. 40 times monthly rent, carry the one. That's $100,000. My girlfriend makes over $100,000 a year. I do not make $100,000 a year. I don't make anything near that. I get a this is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Help Me Calculate This because I'm not sure I got this right. If it's 40 times the monthly rent, and okay, there are a few times in which I'm going to have to close that out. Use my phone. Over $100,000. Six figures. She makes six figures. This is obviously not the number I imagine. I love that my girlfriend is successful. But isn't that crazy that she would be getting compensated for her talents too? When Caitlin and I started dating, our income, our finances never came up. But there were signals that she made more. She was freer with the number of cabs and lifts she took. On a few trips, she said, I'll pay for all the expenses because you're my guest. And I thought, that's amazing. And also, I can't do that for you. I don't make that much to treat both of us to plane tickets, a rental car, and a hotel stay somewhere multiple times during the year. This sounds ridiculous, but I chose to treat the way she splurges on me like how I eat during the holidays, thinking this is amazing Italian stuffing and banana bread, but for sure it can't have that many calories. It can't be that high a number. But this revelation, this revelation of one extra number in her annual salary, six total numbers. I'm sad to say that this bothered me. So standing there in our future apartment, I did what I do when I learn information that makes me feel jealous or insecure or insignificant. 
I shut the fuck down. And I went through all the ways I haven't been able to match her financially. The ways she makes me feel special over and over again with this available income and the ways I feel inadequate because I can't do the same. And I was standing in that apartment, but all of a sudden I wasn't. The room went dark. The world had disappeared. There was danger lurking and it was coming for me. I had to prep for this invasion. She comes when you least expect it, causing carnage to every male ego too insecure to handle it. I can pay for dinner tonight. Men huff and puff in her path, hoping to stop the destruction to their self-esteem by being like really quiet and distant all of a sudden. Purchasing vanity automobiles and saying things like, yeah, but I could do that kind of work if I wanted to. That's the sort of thing that I could do if I really like wanted to. I could do that. This summer, she's back. In. Attack. Of the successful girlfriend. A new vision of horror from American International Pictures. She'll shatter your ego into six figures. I can pay for this. Rated all. In fairness to myself, I've gotten better. And this time with Caitlin, I stopped this silent brooding soon after it started. She asked if anything was up. And instead of me holding it in, we walked a few blocks, got some breakfast. I told her I had a dumb, seemingly instinctual response to learning how much money she made. And I'm embarrassed that my brain goes there. But why does this keep happening? I don't want this feeling to blindside me again and strain a relationship with a woman who makes me laugh with her bird knowledge. Like, did you know that ladybirds are more drab colors because they aren't showing off to get mates? Hmm... You thought you didn't learn anything on the show. Well, guess what? You just did. In the past, my impulse has always been to eventually unload all this information on the women in my life. Tell them what's wrong. And it's usually my partner or a friend that has to reassure me and deal with my bad behavior. And this time I decided I really didn't want to make my money issues Caitlin's problem. I wanted to establish a process of talking to other men about this. So I threw a question out online in conversations with friends. Do other men ever feel insecure, inadequate, threatened by their partner's success? In what felt like corners of the world and dark alleys, I got whispered responses. An email here or there, ah, yeah, I do. Friends would say, you should talk to so-and-so. His wife's a lawyer and he's a teacher and he feels really funky about his salary. And from these quiet replies, I met Alex. How's it going, man? Good, good. how are you, man? Good. Come on. Do you want me to take my shoes off? When I showed up, Alex was using his Sunday to put together some furniture while his wife, Irene, was out for the day. Do you need some help? No, I've got it. Actually, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Besides a table in progress, the first things I saw when I came into the house were family photos, movie posters, and an accordion. Alex taught himself to play for his engagement to Irene. 
His skills have slipped away over the years. I don't play it anymore because Irene has begged me over to please stop. <laughs> Alex and Irene have been married for three years, together for eight total. According to Alex, Irene has an impressive career in the nonprofit world. She's got bachelor's and master's degrees and comes from a well-to-do family. And on top of that, you know, I don't have a college degree. And, and I knew pretty early on she, she was making more than I do. And, and she's more or less made roughly twice as much as I do throughout our, our career trajectories. Alex says he's psyched to be with an ambitious, successful partner. His issues of salary and balance don't show up when him and Irene are alone. It shows up when they spend time with her friends. Her friends are also like in the same you know, economic bracket as she is. And it is that sense of like, I can't provide. Because not only are her friends like they're successful, they do well, they have nice homes, the same education that she does, you know, Ivy League, et cetera, or their partners have been able to pay off their student loan debt. More than once, I, I just, I feel like I have to, I have to turn to Irene and be like, sorry, baby, I can't do that for you. What sort of dialogue do you have with yourself? Is there a sense of insecurity that pops up? There's absolutely insecurity. <laughs> it's, it, it overtakes me. It's overwhelming. And so as a result, I shoot my mouth off way too much about like just saying directly, I can't support you. I'm sorry. And, and it's come out like in front of her friends. And here's where Alex opened up about something that I often feel very isolated about. When this insecure feeling comes up, does he ever embarrass himself? And does it ever get taken out on his partner? One of the more embarrassing ones was um, our, our second vacation together. Partway through the week, some friends of hers came to visit. The wife is my wife's friend, and her husband is a, a Frenchman, and they live a very comfortable lifestyle right now. They're actually in, in Strasbourg. So one night where we're walking back to this little cottage, and one thing leads to another, and I, I just wind up like kind of spilling out, you know, you were able to, to marry a interesting Frenchman with a, a sexy accent. Poor Irene got stuck with a, a, a bum from Maryland who is thinking about saving up for some comic books, like... I'm certain it mortified Irene. You know, she's not with me for money. I would hope not. But the anxiety is still there. What do you think it was about that moment in which you felt the need to do it? What do you think you were reacting from? A feeling of like, this doesn't feel like me. This doesn't feel like, like something I ever would have expected for myself. If you just looked at like, here's what I make for a paycheck. And here's my college background, which is next to nil this this doesn't feel like i should be hanging out with like ivy league graduates and their french husbands and like maybe i just need to sort of ground myself in this moment all of this totally resonates i'll tell you when i was a kid this sort of international guy was my ideal there's there's a man i don't know what he would be called but a man i saw myself being as an adult a man who had money and status and was worldly. He'd walk into places and they'd go, ooh, that's him. I still, to this day, have thoughts of showing off having disposable income in the most ridiculous ways. Oh, Mr. Pagan, will it be the usual? Table for two tonight. We have the baklava chicken braised in a vinaigrette of zuppa lo goat curry, au jus, 
with raclette almond-crusted cherries. Yes, that will do. And two bottles of your finest French wine. Oh, of course, sir. Only the best. Bring the accordion over here. I don't want Mr. Pagan to feel unwelcome. Just one thing. You're not the owner. <gasps> but uh, how, how did you know? How, how did you know? You're an imposter. And saving these people has just become my second course. Ever repay you. Just put it on my tab. But, plot twist, I'm not a duke or an earl. I'd say I'm a dorky guy who has some pretty inexpensive habits. But that's me, alone. No one to judge me or answer to. And here's a truth that I haven't shared with you. I've never lived with someone before and I was becoming more aware of it while packing up my life. I'm not really super embarrassed by anything I have. Sure, if you go behind the more prestigious books on my bookshelf, you'll find all the hidden self-help ones. But I know what I spend my money on, and this opening up about salaries, this comparison of checking accounts and disposable income, this anxiety of what my spending habits are, this anxiety became my reality when Caitlin and I sat at her bank opening up a mutual checking account. Um, I do an income range for you. It is uh, 50 to 100,000. Um, I do an income range. Um, let's do, if I'm looking at last year, let's do 50 to 100,000. Discussions just got harder from there. Like which debit card to pick? Um, are you a fan of Disney, Star Wars, or we have Dark Vader, and what's his name? Oh, oh BB-8. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, BB-8, yep. There we go. No additional cost for them. <laughs> oh, if there's no additional cost, then I'm getting Darth Vader. <laughs> Wait, which one are you getting? Darth Vader? Yeah. Darth Vader debit card. Okay, let's go for it. You want Darth Vader, too? <laughs> sure. All right. Why did I choose to open up an account together? I wanted to be a better partner and take more risks. I thought it was a way of saying I love you. Here's something I hate talking about, so let me get over it and let's make our lives more open. Or at least I saw it that way. What I wasn't admitting was that Caitlin was revealing more about her financial life than I was. Was that, that wasn't weird for you, to, for me to see your, your numbers? I felt a little unnerved that I was putting all of that information out and I left that interaction without any idea of where you stood with it. Like I knew loosely that it wasn't the most comfortable topic. And so not knowing that and having to like be the person who's volunteering all of the information is a vulnerability. And it doesn't feel vulnerable if it's matched, but I think that that was it, where it's like, what's, what's going on? I know you're full-time employed. It's really interesting to me that we've gone through this entire interaction and you know like how much I have in every single one of my accounts and I still don't know how much money you have. This 
is unfortunately true, my friends. Caitlin sent me all her financial information, and I added mine to that pile to send to our landlord without Caitlin ever having a chance to see my private financial details. But did you know that male sparrows will often hide their food from their partner to protect the nest against predators? Okay, that's not true. And like that made up fact, I wish I had something more noble to justify my privacy. I was just waiting for as long as I could to not share my salary and my income with Caitlin. But just like the signals Caitlin was showing with her buying us plane tickets, I was providing my signals as well. Because when Caitlin decided to move, she paid for movers and rented plastic boxes for a more expensive but arguably easier move. While I picked up used boxes off the streets and roped my cousin into throwing my loose stuff into a U-Haul on a steamy summer Saturday. So I'm extrapolating, but she solved the problem, so I'm going to have some difficulty going up to your place in a year and, and blaming her for anything. God save her soul. <laughs> Damn, wow. But it was my decision, damn it. It was my decision to live this way. And now I felt self-conscious because Caitlin could judge how I want to spend my money. I don't need a partner to take care of me financially. Or do I? Is there some truth in that? A friend of mine recommended I talk to Ryan. Ryan currently lives in New Orleans. When he was younger, he was convinced he wanted a partner who made more money than him. I was like, this is the perfect situation for me. I can, you know, be a house husband or house boyfriend at the time or, or, or whatever and just take care of the stuff that's, that's not that hard to do. She'll take care of the money or whatever and I'll just be satisfied in that situation. Ryan's divorced and he believes it was his lack of income and ambition that ultimately caused a rift with his high-earning, high-achieving ex. Ryan met his ex-wife while she was an undergrad in Colorado. While she was in school, Ryan was working at a gas station. He was hanging out with his buddies, getting high and playing video games. They fell on two very different sides on the spectrum of ambition. I was playing World of Warcraft like 12 hours a day, which is about as unambitious as you can possibly get. Eventually cut that out and, and got a job. Uh, working at a gas station, which, man, like normally you'd think that's as unambitious as you can get. When that was going on, she was going to CSU, um, working on her degree in microbiology and working in the uh, mosquito lab there. She was always worried about getting ahead and doing better while I was just sitting back. You had somebody who was very who was going to college and doing all this stuff, and then somebody who was sitting back playing video games. So how did that work? I think we were both attracted to our intelligence, and we were completely inexperienced and just figured, oh, hey, got a relationship. It's working now, so it must be working overall. There is something I did see us having in common. Why don't you think you'd ever be successful? Well, I've suffered with depression basically my entire life and I've got this awesome penchant for self-sabotaging when anything good goes on. 
This resonates. I've suffered from depression too, and yeah, I want a caretaker sometimes. Ryan wasn't getting treatment for his depression during the relationship, which led to marriage and a move for his wife's graduate work. Ryan compared his worth against his wife's ambition. Mostly I was just mopey. Every once in a while I would drink way too much and be a complete asshole. In what ways would you be a complete asshole? Uh, There was one night where I had been drinking way too much and I threw a couple glasses at a wall and um, locked her out at that point in time. This is a rough one, sorry. Gonna have to take a a second. Um, Basically, just ended up yelling at her that, you know, I'm no good at anything and that she can't have such high expectations because I'm not as, as ambitious and good as her. And that was quite a rift right there. It set the stage for how our relationship was afterwards. What Ryan said really affected me. I want my partner to feel safe around me. That's more important than anything. And that's a value I didn't recognize until I thought about it. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Gotcha. Okay, cool. I had to follow up with Ryan, and I got him on the phone. I don't know if this is something that happened other times within your relationship with her, but I want to ask, do you would you understand based on that whether your ex why she would want to leave? I can understand how that would stick in someone's mind that like, oh my god, this guy's a monster or, you know, he's capable of doing that and that could really really tarnish the relationship. Yeah, I can see that that would be a definite catalyst. I mean, you can see that 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 can be frightening. Can understand that the response to that is really can be really can be terrifying. There, there was no, never anything like explosive or like traumatizing, but it's like, hey, you were an asshole and you got to rein it in. How do you know it's not traumatizing for somebody? Yeah, that's the exact opposite of the human being that I want to be violent and out of control. I don't want to push someone into a, into a space where they're freaking out. And the, the end, the terminality to your marriage, what do you think you were responsible for in that ending? That is a tough one to answer. Drinking definitely had, had its part. I think the inequity and, and the mental health issues kind of went hand in hand. I wasn't in a place emotionally or mentally that I'd be able to be ambitious. And it was that lack of ambition that that really created the inequities in our relationship. I had actually asked Alex to reflect on something similar. What happens when he gets angry? I'm very, very cautious and conscious of how I express any kind of you know anger, frustration around my wife. I'm a larger person. I'm tall and I'm I'm kind of broad, and so she's smaller than I am. And so I, I do I will feel like an ogre around her sometimes, just because like if I just raise my voice too much and I have a pretty loud voice, 
I don't want to be intimidating to her. I don't ever want her to feel like she's even anywhere near me, even just like, not even hurting her, but just, you know, like, just punching a wall or something. I don't ever want to have that moment. And we've never had that, thankfully. There are a number of lessons I thought about after moving in. Try to bear with me. Number one, our new neighborhood is closer to work. I timed it on my first walk home. It's about a 30 minute walk. The shorter commute doesn't matter. I'm not happy at my job. That's bothering me more than any amount I make or don't make. Number two, there are a lot of pigeon coops in our part of New York. Caitlin pointed that out to me because so many of the pigeons have these tag things, and now I can't not notice it. Number three, coming home to Caitlin is magnificent. I've never felt like that before. Number four, if this relationship is gonna work, then it's time to share my own numbers. Are you ready to find out what I made last year? Yeah. When we started dating? Yeah. All right, this is my W-2 from last year. And if you go and take a look at gross pay and tell me the number. Okay. Um, your gross pay is $57,418.64. But you, I can't tell from your face if you are like, you don't want me to hedge here or you feel like there's something where I like don't know what you what you're looking for from me to respond to how much money you made. <laughs> what is my face doing? I mean, your face is just like your, your hands over your mouth. You're just like, you're like a little like pursed lipped, but like very interested looking. Like you're watching me kind of like talk my way out of a paper bag. And I can't figure out if it's because you like want me to make you feel better or be like, that's fine. Or be like, we're like, yes, yeah, she's right. It all just equals out because the thing is that like market didn't matter when we started dating because we just split stuff and we split stuff because of like, cause we're equals in the partnership and not because one of us had a wage discrepancy. And when I paid for you, it's cause I wanted to. And when you paid for me, I think it's cause you wanted to and not cause there was like an expectation. I think that this is more about how you feel about your salary at your age and what it means for you emotionally than it is that about how like your partner makes more money than you. Yeah. You keep like picking the paper up and just staring at the number. I anticipated it would be more. I did not necessarily anticipate that I would make twice what you make. How do you feel about the fact that it's twice as much? I don't have much of a re as much of a reflex as I did when you first alluded to the amount that you made. And I realized that it was probably twice as much, but it made me feel insignificant initially. And I think the conversations I've had with myself more as an adult and also with a very supportive understanding partner that doesn't put a judgment call on things like that. And also talking to you about it and putting a perspective on it helps because the, ma the imagination is a terrible place sometimes. And I think I feel okay. Do you want a hug? Yeah. Okay. By the way, a few months after we moved, I got a new job. <laughs> 
and a pay increase. But who's counting? This episode was produced and hosted by me, Mark Pagan. Our lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our associate producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel with support from IFP. Editing and engineering done by Rebecca, Ben, and myself. Story consulting for this episode by Reva Goldberg. Our logo and illustrations are done by the incredible Iga Zhebek. You can subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR One. And I'm going to ask you to pause right now and go and rate and review the show, because that is how a lot of folks find out about it and go, yeah, I'm going to listen to this. Sign up for our newsletter at othermenneedhelp.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, adios, ciao, ciao, bye. I'm going to do the owner again. Oh, Mr. Pagan, will it be the usual table for two? <laughs> we have the baklava chicken breast in a vinaigrette. <laughs> I can't do this dumb voice. We have the baklava chicken braised in a vinaigrette of zupalodupu goat curry, au jus with raclette almond crusted cherries. So dumb.